Um, it, was a, it was unclear exactly what it was that uh, happened. Um, those of you who don't know, my wife, her father, uh, just passed away on June 17th. Happy birthday to me. That was my birthday. And uh, don't worry, I'm not feeling sorry for myself. It's actually, he's one of the greatest guys in my life, and I'm going to get a chance to celebrate him every time. Uh, he, um, Mark, uh, my father-in-law, my father-in-love, uh, whom I affectionately call dad, so I'll just say dad from now on. Uh, dad was, works at a Sonoma developmental uh, hospital for those that cannot care for themselves. And he was, would oftentimes at lunchtime go and uh, play basketball, lift weights. He was in amazing shape. You've met him before. Uh, big guy, just solid as a rock and in great shape. Uh, Several weeks ago, they went in to get his heart back into rhythm. He he was in AFib. And so... Uh, they and then this actually happened several months prior, and they went in and gave him a general, and then you know gave him the shock back to life uh, treatment to get his heart back in rhythm, and then he went back out of rhythm. So they went in to do some tests, found out that he basically for years uh, he's got an ath- athlete's heart, and that's why they didn't catch it. But for years has been running on two cylinders, not four, uh, in his heart. But his heart accommodated that. And just basically grew uh, to in, kind of enlarge so that, um, and I don't understand all the, the technical stuff behind it. And uh, so they went in to go um, shock him back to life again, get him back into rhythm, and found out that he had blood clot in his heart. So they needed to wait two weeks before doing the surgery or whatever it is that they needed to do and uh, put him on blood thinners and whatnot. So he was uh, playing basketball. And uh, called a buddy of his, Christian guy who works at the hospital, who he had been doing this for 20 years, you know, hanging out with, meeting up to, to go shoot hoops. And uh, so his buddy came into this uh, gymnasium, and uh, dad was down at the end of the court, and he was laying on the floor as if he had just drained a, a, a baseline jumper and was laying there on the floor. And uh, so he took the the basketball and rolled it toward him to kind of just, you know, thought he was maybe resting on the ground and realized immediately something wasn't right. And so they called a code. Um, they did everything they could, but he had, he had been, he had passed probably 15 minutes prior, something around there. So that was, as you can imagine, a, a huge shock uh, to us my own natural father and Mark, um, two of the healthiest guys in their 60s you'll ever meet. And uh, to, to see them go the way that they have has been, has been uh, quite surprising. I would be lying if I told you that we were okay. Um, Uh, Tuesday had uh, an absolutely powerful um, celebration of life memorial for him. And over 500 people in attendance. Uh, Lots of tears, but a lot more joy. 
and a lot of laughter as well. And Mark, um, again, he worked at a developmental hospital and worked with, with people who were born disabled mentally, physically, and incapable of caring for themselves, incapable of rolling over. Many of them deaf, um, dumb, deaf, and mute. He had the privilege of praying for many of them um, as they passed from this life to the next. And there were, I, I would say there was well over a thousand who were in attendance, but only half of them were visible because they were waiting for him. He had an immense waiting uh, reception, welcoming party when he came into heaven uh, because of all those people that he prayed for and helped along the way. There were over 45 of his co-workers at the memorial, uh, many of them unbelievers. Uh, just to tell you the impact that he had at the hospital there, uh, they actually brought in a grief counselor from Sacramento to just help with and the, the um, employees cope with the grief they were facing as a result of um, the life that he, he, he filled up a big space. If you've ever met him before, I mean, he just embraced you, he loved you, and he looked past all the different stuff that may have been there uh, right to who you are. I mean, he was a powerful powerful demonstration of what we, um, what God has called us to do, reaching, loving, touching others. He did that in spades and I'll never be the same as a result of, uh, the relationship that I've had with him. And, uh, death is a very important part of life. Losing two fathers in less than two years, I'm, I'm starting to get it a little bit. I think I want to uh, share with us this morning the thing that's on my heart is perspective seen from heaven while living on earth. I want you to know before we get into this, this is not an easy thing. This is not some nice Christianese, you know, just like, oh yeah, get over it type of a thing. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Holy Spirit, you do what you do best, and I just I want to follow your lead this morning. So go where you want to go, and uh, we're we're right behind you. I trust in Jesus' name. Amen. How we go through death is very very important. Death is very emotional, very painful especially for the living who go on. And sometimes all you can do is sit and cry with someone and be in the room with them as they're going through what they're going through. There's not always words to be able to say. I'm going to do my best to try and use words to try and communicate something, but I don't know that it's always going to be words. It might be something different. Don um, Walker just lost his mom. 
feel like my dad sort of up here, you know, his cancer that he was, his fight got a lot of the press, got a lot of the profile and he, but you know, we cannot forget those around us who are going through it. And I'm not just talking about this room, though that's important, but we also have neighbors and friends and different ones who are going through some unbelievable hardships and they don't have the hope that you and I have. They don't have it. Szerzewski's David just lost his grandmother heading back for a memorial this this coming week Cunninghams are in a fight right now Todd and Natasha Natasha's dad Neil has been fighting cancer for some time he's in evergreen right now he's been going through uh, several uh, radiation chemo uh, treatments he will these next couple days and this is this is it it's either you know they're just trusting God is going to be able to do something, uh, but we don't know where things are at. Please be praying for them. In the face of all that we go through, perspective is what God and His Word seeks to give us. I want us to go to Colossians chapter 1. I have been definitely more than usual have just been filling myself with God's word over and over and over again. Not necessarily trying to understand it or just get into it, but just, but just eating large amounts of God's word in the Psalms and different things. Sorry, verse chapter three. Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ. Okay, so he's making a distinction right here from those who know Jesus and those who do not yet know Jesus. Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. How many know that there is a reality here on earth, but there's also a reality of heaven that transcends the realities that we face here on earth? And that's what Paul is trying to help us see because he had his sights fixed on something that was beyond the things that he was going through. And Paul, being someone that he knows what he's talking about, when he starts talking about these types of things, about perspective, we really need to pay attention. We know his pedigree and his resume. Remember? Lashes and shipwrecked and beaten and, you know, all kinds of things. And yet he kept his eyes fixed on a particular reality that transcended what he was going through at the time. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Man, it's tough to not let earth fill our thoughts. He didn't say uh, try and escape earth. He didn't say try and get out of here or, or uh, you know, eliminate earth from the equation, the physical realm. Oh, that's bad, but just focus on the spiritual realm. No, that's not what he's talking about. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Filter your thoughts of earth through heaven's reality. Do not think only about things down here on earth, 
For you died when Christ died. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ is your real life, sorry, and when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 7. Man, I got uh, this last Wednesday night when I was heading to the airport, or Wednesday day when I was heading to the airport, I got 20 minutes down the highway and I had just enough time to get to Oakland Airport and I, all of a sudden I realized, no, I left my Bible. It's in Santa Rosa, so I'm using my other sword and I don't use this one very often. So where is... Here we go. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy. God is so rich in mercy. And He loved us so very much. That even while we were dead, because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's special favor that you have been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with Him in heavenly realms, all because we are one with Christ Jesus. So not only are we to have heaven's perspective, we're to fill our thoughts with heaven's perspective and the things of heaven, but when we died with Christ... We now are sitting with Him. So Paul's tying this back around. We're not only looking to heaven, which again, we're straight. Heaven's not up, right? Heaven's a different dimension. Okay? Heaven's not up somewhere across the solar, you know, plexus and hemispheres and all that kind of stuff. Universes. So He raised us up from the dead along with Christ and we're seated with Him in the heavenly realms. So next time we think that we're looking up towards something to try and get a different perspective, we have to remember that actually we're looking down on things. I was with uh, Adam Peacock and his son Zoran and my boys are really good friends. So we always go to breakfast at Hank's in Santa Rosa. Whenever we go down there, we got together for breakfast and we came out in the parking lot afterward. And Adam says, uh, he pastors a church there in Santa Rosa and he says, uh, Hey boys, I want you to look at something. I want you to look around at what is around you at this point. And it was just, you know, streets and cars and grocery, you know, grocery stores and buildings and whatnot. You couldn't really see much. And they're just going, okay, awesome. I don't get the point though. He says, just, just hang tight. We got in the car and we began to drive and we drove uh, way up and started to climb, 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 climb. We went up to this place called Fountain Grove, parked in this neighborhood, got out, walked over. He says, boys, what do you see now? We're looking out over the Sonoma Valley. Perspective change. And the boys began to pick out things that they saw there and he said, now... What, what did you see back at Hank's? Not a whole lot. Couldn't see a whole much of anything. Say exactly. This is what God wants us to see. And he began to talk to them. 
about their grandpa. And how do we see? How does Jaron at eight years old? How does he see God's perspective? What was Adam trying to do? He's trying to help him filter things through heaven's perspective with a simple little life example illustration. And they begin to preach to us. We begin to take it in. Like, wow, you boys really see it, don't you? The perspective begins to get redeemed, restored. I love that the, the songs that we were singing. I, I didn't even, I didn't even know what Melissa was going to be leading this morning, and uh, so powerful. You know the scripture in, in Psalm seventy three that we read. I mean, there's just you guys. We plan these scriptures months in advance. That wasn't something that's like, oh, Eric's preaching on perspective, and he's going to cry the whole time. So let's you know put up a scripture. I have no one in heaven but you. The timing of the Lord. The timing of the Lord. I, sorry, I got to go there. Psalm 73. What was the verse? Do you guys remember where it was? 22. I was so foolish. Listen to 21. Then I realized how bitter I had become, how pained I had been by all I had seen. I was so foolish and ignorant. I, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, God. Okay, thanks for the uplifting scripture that we can all read this morning. Everybody's going, that's not me. I'm not a senseless animal. Come on, we all go through these types of things. We, I mean, where do you think the blues came from? It came from the Psalms. This is the original blues. This isn't, again, we're not talking about glossing over things and just like, hallelujah, brother, and oh, isn't Jesus so good? And you know what? Jesus brings us through some tough things. This whole heavenly perspective stuff, this isn't easy. This is a fight. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, anything about me or trying to point the, I just happen to be the, the example exhibit a this morning, but you know what? Losing two dads in two years, that is not easy. And it's not easy for anybody else. And you guys are sitting there in the chairs and you know what you've been through. Man, the marriages that are being fought for right now. It seems like they're dying. Parents who have been dying for years because their kids have been in rebellion, they've walked away from God, or whatever it is that they're going through. Come on! We're not talking about easy. But we're talking about realities of heaven coming to earth. How in the world else do we get through the things that we go through? I'm telling you right now, we could not make it through the things that we're going through or anything else that we face without the community and life of God in each one of you. I was out on the boat at the man adventure. And this is what I love about 
these types of things because it's not just come to church, hey, how's it going? But you get, you know, 24, 48, 72 hours with some guys, with some brothers, right? I mean, look at Dave Ames' head. You know he's been out in the sunshine in eastern Washington. (laughs) I got warm, man. (laughs) I'm sorry I didn't loan you some of my sunscreen, (laughs) brother. Oh, that's with sunscreen. <laughs> oh, by the way, um, I got to say this. Daniel Gonzalez and Daniel Lopez, who they got credit for doing one another's stuff the whole time. It's kind of an inside joke. But these guys had us in stitches the whole time. Glenn Rogers and I were just cracking up. All the way home, we were rehearsing different stuff you guys were saying. That was so funny. But you get to know guys like you don't normally get an opportunity to do. Hanging around the campfire um, you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. We, we were shooting potato guns. We're going to do a highlight video of the whole thing. And one of the guys brought a potato gun. Literally, we were shooting this thing three football fields. I mean, just boom. It was, it was a blast. Man, I digress, don't I? But I'm out there in the boat with Dan Hart. And it's just turned out it just was the two of us. And we're fishing, catching absolutely nothing but these stupid bullheads. What a joke. These other guys are pulling in like these four pound trout and we're getting little tiny bullheads. I don't know what it was. I think I was the bad, bad luck for you or something. But Dan just begins to, you know, tell me we're talking about his life and I'm asking him questions about his growing up and, and, uh, he begins to tell me about how the, you know, when his dad wasn't around when he was growing up, um, he lived with, with the rays. Lauren became one of his brothers. Lee became one of his dads. Lee'd take him out fishing and doing different things, going different places. And man, it was so cool just to hear about how God brought part of heaven to earth in his time of need and the things that he faced. He is, you know, the man that he is, the father, the husband that he is today because of this man. Because of Lauren and growing up in that environment, in that context. Man, it was powerful. Absolutely powerful. I didn't finish the scripture. Man, I was foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You are holding my right hand. You will keep on guiding me with your counsel. Leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. That's heaven's perspective. I desire you more than anything on earth. Oh my goodness. Heaven is getting a lot closer. I find that the older I get, the things that I go through, heaven is getting a lot closer. It's heaven's perspective that allows us to face the trials of earth with hope and faith. We've been going through the gospel of Luke and, you know, the timing of the Lord and and all that. I, I just am amazed at how things tied in. I haven't even had... I hadn't had a chance before this weekend to really get in and, and look. I was planning on just, you know, sharing out of, some out of my heart. 
And uh, I went back into the place that we, David, left off with the sowing the, the parable of the sower and the seeds, which he did a, a phenomenal job with. That was a life-changing. You want to get that. And you want to listen to that on the website. You want to listen to Dean's message if you missed it. But uh, I was just amazed at how this flows in with some of the things that I wanted to share this morning. And so we're going to kind of just keep going through this here. Uh, but I, I want us to look at something here, verse 22 through 25 of Luke chapter 8. We're going to try and hit all of 16 through 56, and it's just going to be a, a skim this morning. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. You should start getting nervous when Jesus says, I'm about to move you from the comfortable place that you're in to the other side. I don't know how all this kind of stuff works. Two days before Lisa's daddy died... The Lord spoke to her and just said, Lisa, I'm going to allow you to touch my suffering. Having no idea what we were walking into and the surprise that would come. So they got into the boat and started out on the way across. Jesus lay down for a nap. When Jesus lays down for a nap, we should start to get a little bit nervous. (laughs) And while he was sleeping, suddenly the wind began to rise. The boys are sitting there in the boat and they're going, what in the heck is going on? Okay, we've all had those times in our lives where we say, I never saw this coming. In the context of my dad's, I thought we had another 20 years at least. Two of the healthiest guys you'd you'd ever meet in their 60s. Where did this come from? In terms of my marriage, where is this coming from? People are asking that question. How did we get here? How did we get to this place? That is the biggest, one of the biggest questions on the SPU campus right now. How in the world could this happen? How could a guy go into, onto a campus and start blowing people away? A fierce storm developed that threatened to swamp them. And they were in real danger. For them, it was their life. For some in here, it could be your life. But one of the biggest things, because the physical is not as important as as what's going on inside. You could be, I could be, and we've seen and heard stories of other people who are quadriplegics or different things like that. They don't have the physical, but what is it about their spirit that has to continue to live from the place of heaven where we're supposed to be seated with Christ? To be able to see and view and live through the things that we're going through. But they were in real danger, what? Of losing hope. They were in real danger of losing faith. The disciples woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. 
Anybody been there? A couple years ago, I told you guys the story about my brother-in-law and I getting in trouble out on the ocean. We get pulled out in a riptide. We're out there for 30, 40 minutes or so, and my parents and family on the beach, and there's no way they can help us, and I'm going down. I can't stay above the waves. I'd already been playing out there for an hour and a half. My arms were, you know, all tingly, going numb. And I literally, I was like, Jeremy, I can't go on. The waves are crashing over. I'm having a Psalm 69 moment. The waves are crashing over my, my head. I can't get a foothold. I felt like we were in 100 feet of water. We couldn't swim out of the riptide going either way. I was exhausted. I began to scream with everything and all I had left, the name of Jesus. If I did it right now to the level that I did it then, I would blow the system. I was done. All I could think about was my kids are going to see their daddy dead on the beach. That was the worst thing possible. We're in real danger, Master. We're going to drown. So Jesus rebuked the wind and the raging waves. The storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked, where is your faith? Where did, where did, where did it go? Where did your faith go? Your faith was drowning in the storm. In the things that you're going through, your faith is drowning. Your hope is drowning. Don't criticize them. Okay, we're going to live with them later on. So we're not criticizing them. We're identifying with them, aren't we? Yeah, we're identifying with our brothers because we've all gone through these types of things. But here's the deal. We're going to forever be defined by the source that we turn to in the things that we go through. And at least they turn to the right source. You know, it wasn't Peter turned into a self-help program at that point. I know I can do it. I know I can do it. I know I can make it through the storm. No. Jesus! I don't know about you. Some of the things that I go through, it seems like Jesus is sleeping. Because he is not responding to me in the time frame that I would like him to respond in. We've got to know that he is right there in it with us. Because he has faced everything that we are going to go through. Scriptures tell us he has faced every temptation. He knows how to help us go through the things that we're going through. He identifies. He's our high priest. He, he identifies with us. Hebrews 2.18 Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. See, he already, he already, uh, he already made that call. Um, Father, can you, is there another way? Could we maybe not go through this, what we're going through? Is there, is there any other way? 
Father said, you, you've got to go through this because you've got to show them how to go through the things that they're going, they're going to face. Here's what we have to remember, and this is tough to see in the midst of it, is that we are going through the things that we're going through so that just like Jesus did with us, we can help others go through it. Because even in the midst of all the things that Jesus suffered, he had hope, he had faith. And that's what we're after. I'm not after my own faith. I'm after the faith of Jesus. I need his faith in the things that I'm facing. I want you to notice something. So Jesus rebuked the wind and the raging waves. The storm stopped and all was calm. And then he asked them. Did you hear that contrast right there? I think a lot of times when he asks the question, where is your faith? We confuse his rebuke of the storm to his rebuke of us or them. Jesus doesn't rebuke you. Do you remember when the disciples were struggling with believing him? What did he do? He performed more miracles for them. He helped them along. He's not holding this, you know, this life, heavenly life out in front of us saying, try and get it, try and get it. No, he's bringing it right to us. When we struggle with unbelief, what does he do? Is he teaches us more from his word. He opens up his word. He gives us that timely word. He gives us, you know, right at the moment when we need it, he brings someone to give us that word. To help us believe him. And we've had that time and time and time again to try and make sense of all of this. So he rebuked the storm that you're going through. Jesus rebukes that storm. But he calmly helps us to find where is your faith and he brings it right to us. What was he saying? Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Damien, when you're going through it, what is he doing? He's coming right up to you. He gets, he's in the boat with you and he's saying, I'm right here. I'm your faith. I'm right here in front of you. It's okay. I want you to notice Jesus did not spare them from the storm. He brought them through the storm. Because they had to be able to have what he brought them through in order to give that to somebody else. He was with them in it. I want to talk to us just a moment about how important God's word is in the things that we go through. It's so, so key. Go to Joshua chapter 1. I know you probably are not on some military campaign or anything like that right now. But this is words for life for us. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because you're going to face some things that you're absolutely scared out of your mind about. You would not believe the giants. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep you from all the difficulties that you're going to go through. What does he say? He says, be strong and courageous in the face of it. For you will lead my people, Joshua, people to possess all the land I swore to give your ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Why? He's given, I mean, anytime you say something once, it's important. Twice, you better pay attention. Three times. When he starts, Jesus starts doing the verily, verily, verilies. Yeah. 
We don't use that language, but it means pay attention very, very closely. Be strong and very courageous. Now, what is he calling them to do? He's going to call them to implement something. Obey all the laws Moses gave to you. That means get the word of God in you. Get it in you. You won't have time to pull out the scrolls. Hey, priest, could you grab the scrolls? What was it that God told us to do in this situation? He's saying, remember, do not turn away from them and you will be successful in everything that you do. That word success means you will cross over. Jesus calls them to get in the boat and to cross over to the other side. Suddenly, this storm hits. We didn't see this coming. Wait a minute. We didn't know the giants were going to be that big. Don't turn away from them and you'll be successful in everything you do. Study. I could go off on this whole thing about morning devotions and rubbing our little good luck charm rabbit's foot in the morning and study, 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 get into it, study, get the word of God in you, meditate on it. It says study the book of this book continually, meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey all that's written in it. Only then will you succeed or cross over. I command you again, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Why? Because you're going to be afraid and don't be discouraged. Why? Because you're going to be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's right in the boat with you. He is right in the boat. Even when we feel like he's sleeping. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Pastor Dan Boyd at my father-in-law's memorial, he said this. I love this. He said, you may notice that the people whose Bibles are falling apart, usually they themselves are not falling apart. Why? Because they're studying it over and over and over and over again. At the memorial, my father-in-law, they, they out in the foyer, they had his Bible, which they, his name's Mark. He marks everything. The whole Bible. He has to get new Bibles because there's nothing else to mark. He just consumes, consumes. That was the theme throughout the whole thing was that how much he consumed the word of God, how much he spent time with his grandkids, how much he loved them. But this thing was he was crossing over and I've seen a transformation in his life right before my very eyes over the 16 years that Lisa and I have been married. It's an absolutely phenomenal drug addict and all kinds of things coming out of the things that he that god has brought him out of this wilderness into his promises it was the word of god he had this stack of papers like this and he had um and it was just pages and pages and pages of scriptures that he would memorize and they're all you know soiled and and uh, coffee stains and he had some of them bunch of them laminated because he'd take them into the gym and he'd work out and he would memorize scripture while he's in there you know doing his stuff and he'd have just huge stack of just page and page and page of scriptures i got some of them right here in my back pocket I stole some from him. (laughs) 
What other God gives us the oil of joy for mourning? It's what Jesus said He was anointed by the Holy Spirit to do. It's the healing that Holy Spirit brings. He, he ministers. He refreshes. He comforts. There's a big difference between joy and happiness. Huge difference. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. See, happiness comes in waves, joy grows. You notice that? Oh, this is really fun, I'm happy. Oh, it's not fun, I'm not happy anymore. Joy grows as we learn to trust Jesus in the face of what we're going through. For when your faith is tested, there it is again, the storms come, your endurance has a chance to grow. That's what that's about. Those testings, those things we go through, the, the, the difficulties, the storms, it's so that our, 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 our endurance is developed. If we try and escape as we face these different things and we turn to whatever we turn to, again, our future will be defined by the, the source that we turn to in the face of whatever we're going through. If we don't turn to Jesus in the storm, our endurance never gets an opportunity to grow. So that's why we see people that get derailed, marriages that go in the tank, whatever it is. The endurance hasn't had an opportunity to grow. We need those around us to help remind us about heaven's reality, to walk through those things with us. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be strong in character and ready for anything. Happiness never brought anybody through life's trials. You can try and fill yourself up with all the happiness you want. What are you left with? Nothing. Stuff, things, whatever, it's not going to do it. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. What brings Him joy gives us strength. And that is a heart that trusts, trusts, trusts. Psalm 23 Wow, talk about perspective. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Though I walk through the shadow. How about marriages that go through the shadow of death? Parenting that goes through the shadow of death. Our health that goes through the shadow of death. This is a fight to see from heaven's perspective. Why is this possible that he could go through the shadow of death? And still fear no evil because he starts off with his starting point is the Lord is my shepherd. Notice that the shepherd didn't spare them from the valley. Didn't spare them from the shadow of death. But again, the shadow is this life. That's why heaven keeps getting closer because the shadow is what we see in this life. It's not really the truth. It's like, well, this is my reality. I know, I get it. My dad's death, yeah, that's a reality. But the truth starts from heaven and works its way this way, not here and works its way toward heaven. We are seated with Christ. 
in resurrection power, resurrection lenses to be able to see the things that we're going through. Talk about perspective. Sarah, my sister-in-law, Lisa's younger sister, stands up there at the memorial and she says, you know, even though I've lost my father, she said, I had what many have longed for their entire life and never maybe received a loving father who continually told me how proud he was of me and how much he loved me. Wow, that's perspective. In the face of loss, being able to see heaven's reality, knowing that she's going to be reunited with him. I could go through all kinds of stuff. Joseph, 17 years from the time that he heard the vision to the time that it was realized in his life, being imprisoned, threatened, falsely accused. Abraham, the things that he went through. Uh, 17 years from the time that, that he heard that the, about the promise to the time of the fulfillment of the promise. A lot of time to second guess and question God. A lot of time to get focused on earth's realities rather than the truth of heaven. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were they spared from the fire? No, they weren't spared from the fire. They had to go through the fire. Who was in the fire with them? Jesus. Jesus was in the fire with them. Call him an angel, whatever. That was Christ. And he is in it with us no matter what. And what was their response? To trust. Listen. Nebuchadnezzar, even if he doesn't spare us, we will not bow. We're not going to bow to fear. We're not going to bow to unbelief. We're not going to bow to discouragement and despair. We're going to keep our eyes fixed on the realities of heaven. Let me wrap things up. If I could just give you a couple of scriptures just to chew on, because I, I want you to be able to get some good take home today. I won't go to them uh, here, but Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. David shared about the parable of the sower, seed and the sower. All the stories in the rest of chapter 8 basically describe different points and conditions of people's hearts that had to do with soil. So Jesus is not only going to teach about it, then he always, usually always goes and demonstrates it. And you see that in the hearts of his disciples. What kind of soil did it fall on? Well, it was soil that lacked in faith. The next group here that he's going to go to, he says, so they arrived at the land of the Gerasenes across from Galilee. And as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man was possessed by demons, came out to meet him homeless and naked. He had to live in a cemetery for a long time. I mean, this guy was dead. This represents the spiritual death of this man. And Jesus comes on the scene. This guy was, had this demon had taken control of him. This was rocky soil. This is the, the ravens had come and, you know, stolen the truth because they grew up in a moral society where the, you know, the Hebrew people were taught the things, but it, it landed on uh, ground that was not able to receive uh, the word of the Lord for him, shackled with chains. And, uh, and so he would break these things. But then look at the end here. The fear totally grips the people. Fear shipwrecks so many people and actually it hit him like a huge wave. 
It says right here in uh, verse 37, all the people in that region begged Jesus to go and leave them alone. Here you have the disciples. At least they're going to the right source. Here these people are saying, no way. We'd rather have a self-help program rather than you, Jesus. Go somewhere else. You're scaring us. You're freaking us out. For a great wave of fear swept over them. Fear shipwrecked them. Numbers 12, fear shipwrecked the spies who went into the land. They were called into the promised land. And so the man who had been set free from these demons, he went all through the city telling about the great things Jesus had done for him. What an unlikely character to become a light for Jesus. We look for the people that are all cleaned up, looking good, maybe seemingly like they've got it all together. Jesus is looking for the people that are chained, shackled, messed up. Jesus goes looking for them. Anyway, we don't have time. I wish we had time to go in through these other stories. So Jesus is going through here and, and uh, you know, Jairus, the, the man whose daughter had died. And, and uh, he says, come and, you know, take care of my, my daughter and heal her. And, and then all of a sudden, Jesus gets sidetracked on this girl who's grabbing a hold of his, you know, his his uh, clothes and she gets healed and Jairus has to wait for his healing. And then he comes and finds out that, you know, his daughter's dead. If Jesus had just been there when he had wanted him to be in his timing, done what the way he wanted it to be, maybe his daughter hadn't have died. See, because my dad got healed, but I wanted him healed here. I wanted it my way. It's, it's that place of standing in one foot on earth and one foot in the realities of heaven and believing God for either choice that He makes. We get derailed by asking the question, why? Why have I had to go through the difficulties that I've had to go through? We'll never get the right answers starting with that place of why. But if we say what, if we ask the question, God, what is your purpose in all this? All of a sudden now we open ourselves up to heaven's perspective to be able to see the way he needs us to see. Does this mean no emotion? No, this isn't about suck it up. I don't remember Jesus saying that you're strong, that I'm strong or I'm supposed to be that. I encourage people, you can be weak. Because he's strong in our weakness. We allow, we get the privilege of having heaven's perspective and to be life for other people. I'm going to read you one last scripture and I'm going to close the Bible. Would you stand up with me? going to help us make a little bit of sense of why we're allowed to touch the things that we're allowed to touch in our lives. Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 7, all praise to the God and Father. Wow, we start now with the praise of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of every mercy and the God who comforts us. He comforts us. Linda, he comforts us. Louise, he comforts us. In all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Remember? 
when others are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You can be sure that the more we offer, that the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. I know He's talking about persecution here, but you know what? The stuff that we go through and the things that we face. Dan, I know you didn't grow up with a daddy. But man, you get to be a comfort to somebody else. You get to adopt someone else just like Lee did with you. So when we're weighed down with troubles, it's for your benefit and salvation. For when God comforts us, it is so that we in turn can be an encouragement to you. Then you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer We are confident that as you share in suffering, you will also share God's comfort. I pity the person who encounters me in a place of self-pity, a place of feeling sorry for myself, and I don't have the stuff in Jesus to be able to give them, to be able to make it through what they're going through. Jesus, you, we love just talking about you and sharing in your life. Thank you for the life that you've given us. Thank you for your encouragement. Lord, for those that are in danger of their faith being shipwrecked, they're drowning in a sea of hopelessness, God, send us. May we be that hope in the face of their storm that we can give them your life. Reach through us, touch through us, love through us. As a community, help us to come together in a deeper and stronger way than we ever have before. Lord, we want to say, It's tough living with the questions, but we trust you. We trust you. Amen. If there's if there's anyone here and you just beyond just the prayer that I prayed there, if if you want prayer, uh, would love for you to just come up here and and would love to pray for you and with you and just stand with you. If there's something special or specific that you'd like prayer for, uh, otherwise enjoy your your weekend here. You guys have a great Fourth of July. Uh,